Unfortunately, for the third straight week, not the outcome we were we were looking for. Now, I know if you were to look at the box score, and as all of you were getting into the box score, uh, it's not going to look good. It, it's not going to look good just based off of that. Now, if you indeed watched the game like I did, uh, then pretty much what we had hoped for here uh one of the two scenarios that we discussed towards the end of the podcast last week was obviously we would have liked to get the upset over i believe they were the 15th ring ucm uh central missouri mules uh but worst case scenario we, we wanted to see improvement notably along the defensive front notably on the offensive line and I, I think, as we'll get into it later, I, I think you have to be encouraged by what we saw, especially early on in that in, in that matchup. But as always, before we get too deep into that, we're going to pull back the reins here and discuss other UCO sports happening. Soccer uh, moved to eight two and two with a five to three win over 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 Missouri Southern and a one to two loss. Who's to Central Missouri on Sunday? Uh, they traveled to Emporia on Friday and Wasburg on Sunday. So, with a soccer team, much luck in their two games this uh, upcoming this week. They also earned academic an academic award from the United Soccer Coaches Association for the 2018-19 season, which they held as a team a, a very impressive 3.47. GPA. Uh, this is the ninth time that they have earned that award. So 
want to give a shout out to to the to to to, 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 to those ladies who are getting it done on the field and in the classroom. Volleyball had a very impressive win over the weekend. They improved to 13 and 6 with a 3-0 upset over number 10 Northwest Missouri State on the road. So I want to give uh, head coach Edgar Edgar Mericu a huge a shout out shout out on that because that, that is a huge win. Unfortunately they fell to Central Missouri, the third team to do so. Uh, one, two, three on Saturday. They traveled to Newman on Tuesday and they host Missouri Western Friday at 6 p.m. at Hamilton Fieldhouse. So I, I would advise you all to come check them out. Uh, cross country, we have some cross country news. Runner Arizona Hummingbird placed first at the OBU invite on Saturday with Harley Hansen finishing second and Kelsey Beggins, Beggins-Sky. I hope I hope I'm saying her name right. Finished third, so our uh, country again off to a terrific start. Uh, women's golf after after winning their home tournament the uh, last week, they finished second at the UCM Midwest Classic, where with freshman Susana Olivares was named MIAA Golfer of the Week for the second week in a row. So. Again, women, women's women's golf just uh, dominating stretch here as they in play for a for a period. Men's golf ended theirs on a high note, finishing third at, at the Missouri Western State University Invitational. So uh, both golf teams finish finish strong. They're gonna pick up later on next year. Uh, and we have some basketball news. The MIAA Media Day was this past uh, was this this past week. So. You can believe it or not, basketball season already around the corner. It seems the football season just started, and here we are discussing some college basketball. But nonetheless, uh, the women's basketball team, led by head coach Guy Hardiker, was picked seventh in the MIAA preseason poll. I'm looking forward to seeing what the team has this year. They signed six All-Staters, and they had a decent squad last year that, given the talent and the inexperience, uh, still had a winning season, so I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, head coach Guy Hardiker and, assist- and assistant coach Heather 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 Davis does. Uh, men's basketball under new leadership, uh, Tom Hoffman, who took over for Tom Hankins, who resigned uh, to take a position with the Indiana Pacers. So Tom Hankins moving up in the world of basketball there. So. Uh, t- uh, Bob Bob Hoffman, most recently of Mercer, where he was there for quite a while, upset Duke in the NCAA tournament one year. Uh, also used to coach at Southern Nazarene and OBU, so he has experience at this level in the state. His Broncos were picked thir- 13th in a preseason poll. Now, I wouldn't take much stock into that uh, because what I have been told from people that have seen some practices has told me that uh, that the the team this year is much improved. Now I did look at the roster. Got a couple of D1 transfers in there. We, we, we have more height, it appears, than we did last year. So really looking forward to seeing what the Bob Hoffman does with the with, with the men's team this year. But now with that out of the way, we will resume our conversation on the game Saturday. Now again, if you watch that game. Okay, coming in two and two and two and four. I mean, not two and four. Two and three 
weren't really sure what to expect, honestly, uh, especially playing a team coming off a 71 point outing the week the week prior uh, with a quarterback who threw for a score record seven touchdowns and facing a team averaging 55.6 points per game, nearly 550 yards of total offense. It was it was it was, it was going to be tough. I think we we said it was, it was going to be tough because not only was the offense good, but the defense uh, had 20 sacks in four games. And I think anybody who saw that first quarter, uh, you had to be extremely pleased with the with the with the fight displayed from the Broncos. Now they could easily have went in there after back to back disappointing outings. And just folded and laid down. But as I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, that is not UCL football. Usually they, 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 they came in there and were shorthanded at that because from the very jump, Dustin Boskis, the team's leading receiver, was not there. He did not travel. Again, I'm not sure what is going on with that. Uh, and then TJ Roberts, the leading rusher, he did suit up. He was at the coin toss but did not play. Instead, one Sabor Daniels, uh, as you know, Sabor Daniels is a fan favorite on the on the podcast here. Sabor Daniels got his first career start, and Sabor Daniels made the most out of that, as we as we will see later on, as he made a pretty big time play. And then Thomas Griffin, the Oregon transfer, I think he had that groin injury, and my man James D. Jackson, editor in chief of the Vista, told me a couple of weeks ago he played. There were the two running backs in there, and Keats was the starting quarterback after Will Collins started last week. Now, on the opening drive, uh, on the opening drive for UCO, they managed to get, if we took the bar score here, I want to make sure I'm getting the facts straight. Right here. We started off with a, with, with, with a field goal on the opening drive that took four minutes and 25 seconds, a 32-yard field goal. From Alex, Alex Corvado. Uh that that was a very impressive opening drive. I think right there, obviously, would like to have gotten a touchdown on that drive, but it was impressive because we were able to pretty much. I mean, we went 61 yards, so it, it was it was really impressive drive. Uh, Sabor, Sabor had a big time catch on third and five. Uh, I don't know what what uh, route he ran because you know if you're watching it. Uh, like we had to on the webcast, it's you know it's the it's the broadcast view. You can't really see what, but he was wide open in the middle of the field. Sable Daniels made an impact early on in that game, led to a field goal. Then on pretty much the first play of UCM's drive, I'm calm, I'm gonna calm this now because right now no no I'm not gonna do that because I don't want to jinx the man. But again. Colby Underwood, I've compared numerous times to Zach Sanchez, struck yet again uh, on the first play of UCM's opening drive. He forced a fumble, and it was covered by by Kellen Murray that then resulted in, a, in another UCL field goal. Now again, would like to have had touchdowns on both of those, but at least the turnover didn't go without points on the board. You, you, you want to get something off of that and they did again three so it was a six nothing lead then again on the following drive Colby Underwood strikes yet again 
I, I, this man seems to be making plays. If anybody in the secondary, you know, we have we have we have Jakari. Jakari doesn't make the flashy plays. Jakari just just makes the tackles. Okay. Then we have O'Shea. Kind of a little bit of both. O'Shea will mix in some solid play and some big hits. And then we have Kobe Underwood here who will get burned every 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 now and then. We'll give up some yards, but then have runs such as this where he for the back-to-back turnovers was on the next drive. He had a beautiful interception on the quarterback there. Uh Brooke Bowles uh just jumped right in front of the pass near the sideline, secured the catch, uh, and gave UCO the ball back. Uh, then Johnny Bazell, Johnny Bazell again, who's someone who coaches who coach has mentioned now for several years, made another nice catch. And at this point, even if you watched him play last year in his limited roles, you can tell this man when called upon, he has at least one nice catch game. Now it might not always stand because of penalties, but this one did on a third and seventeen across the middle of the field between two defenders. Uh, Keith slung it in there, and and Kamazel the fourth made made a, a, a nice catch, took a pretty big time shot there, and held on to it on a third and seven seventeen. Then on the very next play, he threw a touchdown pass uh, on a wide receiver pass. So it was just, it was pretty much your double pass. Uh, Keats hiked it. He threw it to Mazel like he was going for one of those like one man screen type of deals. And Bizell, the former quarterback, the former state champion winning quarterback at Carl Albert, threw a nice touchdown pass. It was of 31 yards to a Taz Griffin for a touchdown. That kept up in a four-play, 61-yard drive. So first three drives of the game for UCO in that first quarter uh, all resulted in points. Now, again, we'd like to have it been 21 to nothing instead of 13 to nothing. But I think if you watch that first quarter there, and as that clock hit zero and that scoreboard said UCO 13, UCM nothing, I feel like you had to be encouraged right there because everything we had discussed as a question mark, as a concern, needed to be addressed in that first quarter was all addressed. The offensive line, Keith could have had a rocking chair back there at times, okay? They did good there, pass blocking. Now, run blocking was still kind of iffy, but the important thing is Keith was able to stay upright at that point in the game. The defense, we mentioned the, the interior rush. I have to give credit to two interior linemen. Uh, Mike Reels, and we discussed last year, Mike Reels, arguably the best interior lineman last, uh, last, last season. He finally made his presence known. And then Cordy Brown Jr., who had a birthday last week, so I wanted to wish him a happy little birthday. I know I DM'd him on Instagram. He he he, he does follow me, and I appreciate that. Uh, I want to give him an, another shout out here that that swap report and chose to wish him a, a belated happy birthday yet again. But he had a strong performance too in that first quarter, uh, providing some pressure and on the run defense. Uh, they, 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 it was not as easy running the ball in the middle of the field. So you have improvements there. So you had to be encouraged at the end of, of that, that first quarter by not only the improvements on the defensive line, the improvements on the offensive line, but just the fast start. We, we have seen 
about three straight weeks in a row that the, the starts are not have not been fast. They, they've been, you know, you, you you might score a touchdown and then we have a two-quarter drop. Here we, we took the open drive, got points, got a turnover, got points, got another turnover, and got points. So it was looking really good, but now Central Missouri again proving why they are among one of the better teams in the conference. Now you'd not expect them to just lie down and take it, especially at home and especially for homecoming. So they did respond fairly early in that in that second quarter with a touchdown. Uh, and then after a three and out, they would get a touchdown. Now, this one right here was truly unfortunate. Now we mentioned before their six seven tight end slash punter, Zach Davidson. I think he had eight touchdowns entering that game. He had he got touchdown number nine. Now the way he did it, this man, I'm saying a lot of you would say he, he this man probably probably has a chance at the next level. Uh, he, he is a tight end, if you recall. Delaney Walker, I think he plays for the Tennessee Titans currently. He played at at UCM. I'm thinking this guy could be the next man in line. I mean, we, he, man, the man he has the size, he has the hands, and he has the balance and quickness because they kind of threw it to him towards the sideline. He kept his balance, made a dirty juke. Now, I don't know who he juked out, made a dirty juke, kept his balance, and ran 52 yards for the touchdown. So at that point, it was 14 or 13. Uh, and then before the half, they added a 28-yard field goal. So even though Yushio had allowed 17 straight up to that point, you still had to be encouraged. Uh, you 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 still had to be encouraged because again, especially there towards the end of the half. Now I feel like if they had been 21 straight, uh, it, it could have been bad. But yet again. Uh, you had to be encouraged there. Again, it, it was a four-point game at the half. Now, that we mentioned before that Missouri Southern was tied at the half. And again, I'm going to read you who were playing again in Missouri Western. They play Missouri Southern. And I'm going to tell you again. I will tell you now. I will tell you when that time comes again. Missouri Southern is an improved ball club. I just feel the need to keep beating the dead horse here. Uh... So when we play them, and I say Mr. Southern is an improved ball club, you can't say I did not give you fair warning. Uh, but in any case, if we're looking at that first half, UCL actually did not punt the ball until the very end of the first quarter when, when Southern Missouri actually called a timeout because the wind, the wind I believe was between 15 and 20 miles per hour, UCL was actually facing the wind. So you imagine the fact here that they scored 13 straight when facing the win is, is really even more impressive and should attest the Keats arm because it wasn't like we just we just ran the ball every play now. We we did air it out. So I, ha I have to give credit where credit is due to Keats uh, again proving why he was he's at least is one of the best QBs in Oklahoma high school history. Stat wise, look it up if you do not believe me. And to turn it by Zell. Again, talking about throwing the, throwing the ball on 15, 20 mile per hour wins to get it down the way he did. Todd Griffin, I have to give them some major credit on that, showing the arm strength. 
from both of those guys. Now, one man uh, that did not necessarily have the best start to, to, the, to the game was one Amante Fritz Phillips. Now, Amante Fritz Phillips entered the game as the second leading receiver. He had three drops. He had three drops, including three in a row, including two back-to-back -back that would have had first downs that cost him a drive. So I was kind of critical of Preach early on. Now, Preach got that, I, I got that out of his system clearly because after those three, uh, after those three drops, uh, let me tell you, when I say uh, Mr. Preach Phillips did some preaching on some Central Missouri defense backs because he finished his day 11 catches, 135, and one touchdown. So, again, proving why. Uh, when they signed him and during the spring, I was hearing things about Preach. This game showed me why against top-level MIAA competition, he, uh, he had a buck 35 and one touchdown, along with 46 and double-digit catches. Now, again, the drops are kind of concerning there. You kind of want to see, see, see less drops, but I'm glad that he was able to make, make, to, to make, up, make up for it and have a monster game. Also, it must be noted, it must be noted as well, we also mentioned that in five games, UCO has yet to have a sack. And as hard as it would be, we hope the sackless streak would end Saturday. Well, I have good news because it indeed did end Saturday. As literally right but like the, like the play before the half, essentially here, Draquan Brown, Northern Illinois linebacker transfer, got the sack. I, I, was, I was happy. That is a huge monkey off UCO's back. Now, obviously, one sack in six games is not impressive. But the important thing is we got the first sack. Now, hopefully, there'll be more sacks to come. They had a couple of more close calls in that game uh, where they could have gotten two or three more sacks. But at least they're not on the board with the sacks. So I, I, I that, that, that right there is huge. Um, then, so... We start the second half, okay. Uh, they go and they get a touchdown. So it, it is a 10-point game. It is a 10-point game um, after they missed the extra point. So I remember they, they, they missed the extra point. It was a 10-point game. Then on the next drive, where my man Sabor Daniel again, offensive coordinator Christian Hood going into the better trips, Almost essentially running the same play that they did in the first half with running by Zell. They instead ran with Seymour Daniels, who was a quarterback at Tulsa East Central High School. Uh, he then threw a 46 yard touchdown pass to Amante Preach Phillips. On literally, I mean, it was the exact same play, but the same thing that keeps doing it to Seymour. Sabor stopped, Sabor launched it, Preach caught it, and Preach got a touchdown. So again, at that point, you're feeling, again, it is 20 to 23 right now in the third quarter. Now, we went, if you recall, we were going by the quarter-by-quarter scoring for UCM. 
They were dominant. If you recall, they were. I, I forgot what the margin was going into half, but coming out of half, they were outscoring opponents by 40 points. So to be in a three-point game at the 10:49 mark, another a three-point game at the 10:49 mark, and then even a a ten a, a ten-point game after they scored again by Zach 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 Davidson telling you this man is an elite tight end. Uh, at the 7:48 mark, you still had to be pleased because most games by then would have been blown out. You, we're talking about a team here that, for the better part of the past two weeks, against Fort Hayes and Missouri, and Missouri, Missouri's Northwest Missouri, had a combined 17 points. They had 20 and was in the game on the road. Uh, down some players, down some key players here. Uh, it, it, it midway through the third at a ten-point game, I think you had you had to be impressed. You had to uh, to appreciate the fight again, the fight they showed. Now, if we, if we go from here, okay, it's 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 it's, it's going to start looking bad. They did pull away after that. They added another touchdown. Uh, before the end of the third, they make it a 17-point game. Then they had a punt return early in the fourth, uh, and then we will score midway through the fourth. Now, Will Collins, um, Will Collins, they have to come in the game. Now, it was not by anybody's choice. Uh, Keith was sacked in the third. Uh, and I think somebody landed on him. I, I, I believe somebody did land on him right on the knee that had the knee braced. Uh, he limped to the sideline and the the sideline camera showed him talking to one of the assistants and you could tell this man was visibly upset. And then he reappeared later on in the fourth on crutches. So I do not know the injury status of Keats it is not promising. I hope, I really hope it is not another serious knee injury to that same knee because this man has overcome so much on that one knee. If you recall, he had already been granted a sixth year because of the injury that he, that he suffered on that onset knee last year. So I'm, I'm hoping for Keats uh, that it's not a serious Keats if you are, if you are listening here uh, that the uh, Chosho and Swapport.com are, are, are pulling for you. And we wish you a speed recovery on whatever injury you did suffer. Now, but uh, coming in there, Will Collins again. Uh, he came in two plays later, was picked off. Nice one-handed pick by Colson Crane. And if you recall, Colson Crane was their linebacker that was their leader in interceptions. This man, let me tell you, is, is as good as advertised. I believe he had a couple of sacks on the day. He had an interception and they were all over the field. Uh, and then to make it worse, at some point we did we did muff up well, we, we we fumbled a punt. Fumbled a punt. Now it's not like a returner didn't drop it. Now the returners, I know you're questioning because Dustin Bachman's was not was not there. They had Todd Griffin, uh, Preach Phillips, and then Dawson Huddleston actually had a nice catch there late in the fourth. Uh, they were the returners, but the, the but the punt it bounced and it hit an up mid, and they were probably the fumble at that point. It was just one of those where 
it, it was uh, it was about all she wrote there. Uh, but then again, they would score Sabe Ward with a nice touchdown, the second touchdown run of his career. We did miss the extra point. Uh, we got a late fourth, uh, a, a, a late game red zone stand, Jakari. Now, Jakari again, a, 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 the guy quietly making plays. It just is just he, ha no, he hasn't had the the massive you know helmet jerky hits this year, but he made a nice. Nice play on a much bigger defender, you know, Jakari. I'm gonna just give him a bit of the doubt. 5'10, 5'11, maybe a buck 75. Going up against 6'7, 235 pound uh, tight end uh, Zach Davidson and made a nice play in the red zone. That now, Hello, Missouri did the right thing and they, they naturally threw a fade to a 6'7 guy, Jakari. Made a nice play on the on the ball, broke it up, and um, that was basically the last highlight of that of that game. As UCO fell forty four to twenty six, but again, I am extremely encouraged here by what I saw. Now we're gonna need to keep that up for four quarters, but uh, but but uh, again, I, when you look at it, when you look at it across the board here, uh, you know. If you look at the numbers again, gave up seven sacks along the offensive line. Now, a couple of those sacks were covered sacks uh, when, when Keith was in there early on. So I'm gonna tentatively give that line between four or five sacks. Now, again, any time, regardless, if it, you know, it, it, even if the total says seven sacks, that's still too many sacks. Now we still have to have to clean that up. Now again, it got. It got worse as the game went on. We had a third sack, I believe, somewhere in midway through the third. So they allowed basically four sacks in the last quarter and a half. Uh, again, you, you, you don't want to see that, but the line, I think overall, played significantly better than they had the past couple of weeks. Now, since Missouri came to front, uh, was no joke. Uh, they, they they were also solid too. I would say they're better than Fort Hayes defensive front. Uh, they have a couple of guys on that defensive line that had that had some sacks in the game, uh, and they they really they they were they're really impressive, especially their defense ends. Uh, our, our tackles. I know Jacob Jacob Blair did the best he could do. I know Tyler Stillwell did allow a sack. Uh, the, the, the man again. He just he drew a tough, a tough assignment there. But that's something again that we're gonna have to fix moving forward. But it was still was a much, it still was a much better effort because if you look at the overall team stats here, a uh, UCO had 21 first downs. If you were to take away the sack yardage, they would have had 149 yards on the ground. And it finished with with ninety seven again because of the sack yards. So uh, so again now that that's significantly better than any rushing total that we've had the past two weeks. And then passing the ball three hundred and four yards and four hundred and one yards of total offense. So this has been the best numbers offensively that they have posted since the Lincoln game. So again, you have to be encouraged here again, especially on the road at the number fifteen team in the country. Uh, we, as the, we were 
We had, we had the ball for 32 minutes, so we actually won a time, time, time of possession. We were not on 20 on third downs. Like, again, we had to drop on third downs. Uh, and then towards the end there, we, it's just, it, was, it was really tough. Uh, one or two on four, three or three in the red zone. Again, they had one sack. We were two or three on PATs. Um, and then two, uh, two or two of three. No, no, we were, we were two or two on PATs, two or three in field goal there. That kind of mixed up. And then for Central Missouri, 27 first downs, 242 rushing yards, 5.8 yards per carry. Now, again, okay, early on in that game, the, the rushing numbers was was not that. Now, the running back didn't have 100 yards at the half, but it, it was not these a lot of massive runs. He had, I think, about one big run in that first half that got most of that those 100 yards. It was not until late in the game that they really start winning that battle up front. So I still have to get the, the defensive line, especially the, the tackles again. Uh, two I mentioned, Corey Brown Jr. and might real some credit there because again early on a much more a much better effort up front uh 301 passing yards so they did hold them to i believe it was a, a, about 12 yards under their season average uh 543 yards that is again about 17 i'm saying about about 10 yards under their season average so again i have to give uh, Russ Pickett some credit here because his, his game plan worked. I, 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 again, 17 points at the half to a team averaging 55.6. I mean, I feel like, if we, again, if you just look at the box score, okay, it's not going to tell the full story. You have to look really at the, you have to almost look, honestly, quarter by quarter, but that, that's the best way to do it because. On paper, this looked very lopsided. It looked very, very lopsided. And here you are in the first half, and much like Missouri Southern was where, where it was it was tied. We're sitting here at a, at a four-point game. I mean, you still had you had to be encouraged because because Central Missouri was still outscoring opponents by double digits almost every quarter but the fourth, and that's because the fourth quarter in all but one game they had the backups in that. So you had to really be impressed, especially in the third quarter, the way they came out. Uh, a, a quarter where, when when the week prior they shut out Missouri, uh, Missouri Southern, where on the season they had been outscoring people by 40 points in the third. They came out and it was only a 10 point game midway through that quarter. But well, again, I was I was pleased. Now I, I now I did not like the way. That we finished the game now. I, I would have liked a better finish. Uh, but given the circumstances, uh, I like what I saw. I, I like how the offense they, they took more downfield chances. Johnny Bizell throw. Uh, we busted out a couple of trip trip plays there. The wide receiver pass and the and the halfback pass. Uh, the offensive line again for I would say. Uh, two and a half, three quarters. I, I really played some pretty good football. Uh, I, I, I was pleased. I overall was pleased. Overall, I think that that this would, would fall in the best case scenario besides the upset. 
because a lot of things were established. We got the first sack, forced two turnovers. Uh, with the, the, uh, the interior line, rather the pass rush and some ability to stop the run. I, I feel like this was a game here where even though the scoreboard says you should have lost, I feel like they, they won in a lot of ways. They won in a lot of ways because to me, you now have, you now have some confidence here. Uh, now we know the defensive line, the interior defensive line is capable of, of dominating at points and at the very least not not giving up massive runs in the middle of the field uh, we now know that we're able to get some sacks now we, we did get one sack we know now we're able to get some sacks that's something that you can build off of here uh, uh off, off, offensively okay we know that when given time now that we have the talent at receiver again Prince phillips career day Running by Zell, very nice catch. That when given the time, we can go down the field. We, and I feel like that has been missing the past couple of weeks because the time has just not been there. But given the time, take some more downfield shots here. We, we can we can really open it up. And again, I mean, you, we, we almost had a buck fifty on the ground. I, I just we, you take away the sack, you had a, almost a buck fifty on the ground. On the road, it's number 15 team in the country. And, and that was with Sabor and Tosh Griffin. So you imagine then if TJ Roberts was back there. So and so again, I, I this is very prom this is that promising. That, that is that is extremely promising to me. The, the strides made again. Uh, I, I I have to give them credit again. I know it's still a loss on the scoreboard, it's, it's a loss in the win-loss column, but I saw a truly improved UCO Broncos football team. I, I would say, honestly, I have not seen a performance anywhere near this good from them since, I, I guess you could say Lincoln, but I don't, I, I'm going to say since, since, since this period, because to me, Lincoln, no offense to Lincoln here, but I mean, it, it was, it, it, I mean, come on, I mean, we, it, it was not a stiff test. It was not a stiff test. I, I, it was, you could, I mean, it was Lincoln. So to me, really, I've not seen a truly, what I call impressive outing since that current game. So I, I have to give them credit here. Now the key is, the key is that we take the strides made and we build on it this week as we take on Missouri Western, 4-2 Missouri Western coming off of, and again, this is what I'm going to say, a 43-34 homecoming win over Missouri Southern. So again, I'll tell you, Missouri Southern is an improved ball club because at the half, Missouri Southern was down by 10, 23-13. They then outscored Missouri Western in the fourth, 14 to 16, and 14 to 6, before being outscored in the fourth, uh, 14 to 7. Uh, so again, I, I just Missouri Southern a one and five ball club here. So much like last week, this gives me hope. This 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 really gives me hope, especially when you look at the fact here. 
that Missouri Western allowed 32 first downs, okay, almost, if you take away the sack yardage here, 241 rushing yards and five touchdowns. Now, if, if anybody has looked at Missouri Southern stats this year, they are a very pass-happy team because they have a former D1 quarterback. So to allow five rushing touchdowns and then almost 400 yards passing and almost 600 yards of offense on 95 plays, I, 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 I mean, now, you're saying if T.J. Roberts is back here, if T.J. Roberts is back, okay, and the line plays like the way the line did the first two and a half quarters of all four quarters here, I don't see why we could not run the ball. Again, we almost had a buck 50 with our backup running back. And again, I love some Samuel Daniels, but with a backup running back, there's another 15 team in the country. I am I feel, I feel extremely confident that even if, it, if it's the duel of Sabor and Todd Griffin back there again, they, the line blocks the way they did early on in that game, we should be able to run the ball, be able to, to establish the run. Uh, we, because that to me is huge. If we can establish the run game, then, uh, then the passing game should be fairly simple at that point. So uh, so to me, that is that is that is a huge, a huge key. But as we look at Missouri Western here, they're four and twenty. Excuse me, as, as I mentioned before, coming off an eight-point win over Missouri Southern last last week. That is the third straight win on the season. Now, again, it must be noted here that while that might sound impressive, uh, the three straight wins have come over winless Northeastern State, two-win Wasburn, who beat NSU last week. So I. Do take that as as you as you will, and the other one was over uh, Lincoln. So again, take that as you will, and then Missouri Southern, with who again those three teams combined for three wins. So again, take that as you will. Uh, now they come in averaging forty two and a half points per game, two hundred and twelve point eight yards on the ground with twelve touchdown, two hundred fifty four point two passing yards. 15 touchdowns to three interceptions, uh, 467 yards per game, 43% on third down, 57% on fourth down. Uh, they have been sacked 10 times, so th that that's promising. That's promising. Four seven on field goals. Again, we know the field goal unit likes to likes to get back there. Uh, one of one on onside, 92% in the red zone, 81%. Uh, the red zone trips for touchdowns, and they're 97% on point at a touchdown. Then there's then there's scoring breakdown. They're outscoring opponents in the first quarter, 65 to 50, 73 to 41 in the second, 50 to 45 in the third, 67 to 49 in the fourth, and then they're outscoring three nothing in overtime. So to me here, uh, if you see a, a much like much like last week. If they can survive the early onslaught, we have a chance, especially in that third quarter. But in the first and third quarters now, uh, it's huge because again, now if you looked at at, at last, the first and third quarters were the best quarters of the game for UCL. So uh, if we can just repeat that, build off of that, maybe do some more damage there in the second quarter, 
uh, we, we could we could we could once again find ourselves in a ball game in the fourth quarter, which I feel like at this point is all you really want. Now, um, when the offense for the Griffins come on the on the field, uh, senior quarterback Wyatt Stiggerwald, a six foot two hundred from Nevada, Oklahoma, so he, he so he will be making a trip, returning trip to his home state. Via NEO has 1,435 yards on the season, 15 touchdowns to three interceptions, uh, and a 57.7 completion percentage, and has two rushing touchdowns. Uh, he has his negative rushing yards due to the sacks. Uh, his his top targets he has four. Now none really blow you away outside of the top target here. That is redshirt freshman Devon Holmes, 6'2", 185, uh, 27 catches for 293 yards, two touchdowns, uh, 14.6 yards per catch. He seems to be their big, the best guy uh, receiving-wise. Um, and, and matter of fact, because he has more than double the number of catches than, than their number two guy, senior Damian Wheeler Jr., 6'2", 170. 11 catches for a buck, 69 and one touchdown. And then the receiver that leads him to touchdown, Junior Kyle Berry, 6'1 and 180. Uh, six catches for a buck, 35, three touchdowns, and 22 and a half yards per catch. Now, the one thing that jumps off at you while numbers are nothing to really, are not, are not, are not as, as, as eye-blowing or mind-blowing as it was last week with Central still Missouri. The size is there again. I thought about 6'2, 6'2, and 6'1. Uh, they also have a tight end, sophomore Cam Brady, 6'5, 235, has 10 catches for a buck 27 and one touchdown. So the size again for the second straight straight, straight week. The, 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 the secondary again will be will be put to the to the test. Uh, again, because of the size difference, they don't. Those all the all the top four guys are over six six foot. So, uh, should be another interesting matchup there in the secondary. Now, when they go to the ground, uh, they have a they have a nice little duo here. Uh, they're led by senior running back Markel Smith, 5'11", 230 pound Illinois State transfer. Uh, the leading rusher with 79 carries for 559 yards, nine touchdowns, and 7.1 yards per carry. And then junior running back Shamar Griffith, 5'7", 150, had 62 carries for 337 yards, one touchdown, at 6.1 yards per carry. So the improvements made up front in the interior will need to continue again next week. We have two backs here. Averaging almost a first down a carry, uh, it, it, it would be imperative again, especially with the with the uh, with a big boy Smith at 230. Uh, that we that we really try to try to try to limit the run between the tackles. Uh, so I, I, I'm gonna need a similar outing, a, a, a better outing uh, from Mike Rios and Corey Brown and the rest of the interior linemen there. Uh, because that again will go a long way as it did, especially in the opening quarter against Missouri. 
Uh, we got the pass rush of the middle. I, I know Coy Brown got a couple of, of good of good rushes. It forced Brooke, Brooke Bowles roll out. And again, I said, even though he's talented, when he's rolling out, you still are not going to have the best throws. Case in point was, you got the interior pressure. He rolled out. He didn't see Colby. He threw the ball. Corey picked it up. It's that simple. So we can get the interior rush again. Uh, that will go a long way. And then kicking. Now, I mentioned earlier, 4-7 uh, field goals. Junior kicker Sam Avilas. Uh, two of two from, from the 20, 20 to 29-yard range. One of two from 30 to 39. One of two from 40 to 49. And over one from 50 to 59. So, again... No, they bought the field work earlier this year. They get pressure on most kids. This is another area. If they can force some field goal attempts here, I'm liking the odds. I'm really liking the odds, especially when you see pretty much from anything outside of 29 yards. He's basically two of three. No, he's two of five. He's two of five. So. I'm liking the odds here. I'm really liking the odds there. He has a long of 46, but again, uh, if we can force some field goal attempts, I, I have faith that supposed to be coordinator Tyler Holland and that that uh, uh, kick block unit will, will have a chance to really impact the game again. I, I really do. Now, when the when, when the when when the Griffins are on defense here. They're allowing actually so many better numbers I've seen as far as points at 31.3 points per game. Now, naturally playing three of the weaker teams in the conference, I'm sure, help those stats. Uh, they're allowing 169.2 yards per game on the ground with 10 touchdowns, uh, 307 and a half yards a game passing, 13 touchdowns to six interceptions. And they're actually getting out game because they are on because they're only they're only averaging 467. They're allowing 476.7. But again, uh, as long as you are stopping them from getting points, then the yards really don't matter. Uh, they are allowing 41% on third down, 33% on fourth down. They have nine sacks. Uh, they have one of three on on onside. They allow one three on onside. Uh, 72% in the red zone, 56% being touchdowns, and 91% on PATs. Now, they are led defensively by a couple of linebackers uh, who each lead the team in tackles with 48. You have Junior Evan Chohan, 6'3", 215, 48 tackles, 4.5 TFLs, 2 pass breakups. Then you have senior linebacker Anthony Williams, 6'2", 215, 48 tackles, three and a half tackle for loss, one and a half sacks, four pass breakups. Uh, then you look, they have a they have a three defensive linemen here that each have two sacks on the season. So uh, again, it's going to be more imperative here that the offensive line. Now I'm going to go on a on a on a limb. And say Will Collins will probably be starting. And now we have more of a mobile quarterback, but regardless, uh, we need the line to hold up for four quarters. 
in, 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 in Paffle, Texas, and we can over up the offense again because I'm gonna tell you that's the best offensive performance I have seen from UCO in about three weeks. So hopefully we can continue to build off of that. But the, the big guys up front applying pressure. You have junior Tyler Bosca, 6'4, 230, 22 tackles, three and a half TFLs, two sacks, and two quarterback hurry. Then you have senior Marquise Caldwell, 6'2, 240, 16 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, and two sacks. Then you have Honestly, here, what to me was the most impressive stat line on the whole team. Sophomore Arnold Creighton, 6'3", 240. Only 11 tackles, but 7 TFLs and 2 sacks. So, uh, Mr. Creighton here makes his tackles count. You have 7 in the backfield and 2 sacks. Uh, then, on the pass defense here, uh, they have a couple of defensive backs. Uh, junior Sam Webb, 6'2", 190. So again, we have we have some we have some range there. He also has some ball skills. Seven, 17 tackles, leads the team with three interceptions, has has eight deflections, and five pass breakups. So Sam Webb uh, is is a, is a major player to watch. Now I think again, not sure the ability of Dustin Boskins, but operating under the assumption that he's not playing. I like to think he would be now. I don't know. I don't know if he's a corner or safety, but regardless, I imagine he'll be lined up on the side of Preach Phillips. So that should be a very interesting matchup to watch there. Uh, Sam Webb and Preach Phillips both around similar size. So I'm looking forward to watching that matchup. And then they have another another defensive uh, back sophomore DJ. Uh, Steergis, 6'1", 175, 21 tackles, one interception. Leads the team in both pass breakups with nine and the flexions with 10. So they have a couple of rangy playmakers back there in the secondary. Should be a stiff test for the receiving core. Now we do need somebody. Uh, if Dustin Boskis is indeed a no-go and or regardless, we need somebody to assist Preach. Now again, by Zell had a nice catch, but he seems to only make one or two a game. Boston Huddleston made his first catch. I believe, well, I know the game. Maybe at the season, I think he might have one against Lincoln or um, or Northwest Missouri. But, but yeah, again, and then we also have Diego Richards, who had his first touchdown against Lincoln. Uh, we need some of those guys and Josh Moore. Too. We need some of those guys to step up here, become a viable second or third option because we can't just depend on Boskis and Preach. Uh, and then finally, their punter, senior Luke Theus, averaging uh, 38 and a half yards of punt, along a 58 one touchback, eight down inside the 20, and three of uh, 50 or more yards. So when we're looking here, uh, you know, I, I, it, they're back at home. They're, they're, they're back at home. I like to think here. We should have some confidence now. Hopefully they can build off of that. I, I would like to think this is a winnable game. Now you're probably saying, well, I mean, the last three albums haven't been great. 
but also the last three outings have been arguably against the three best teams in the dang. Well, okay, two of the three, two of the three outings were against two of the dang best teams in the conference. Because if we look at the standings here, okay, the the top two teams, uh, Missouri and Northwest Missouri State, are both undefeated. As a matter of fact. Northwest Missouri State put the foot down on Pitt State 38-17 on Saturday. So, one of those two teams will definitely be winning the con- I mean, will win the conference and both of them should be the playoffs. So, when we're looking there, you're thinking, okay, well, that's that's two of the of three losses. Then you have Pitt State at third. Fort Hayes is actually in a tie. Well, okay, well, Fort Hayes standing is their fourth. At four and two, but but both Fort Hayes, Missouri Western, and Kearney. I we, well, I had I had I, had, I said last year when UCO beat Kearney. I mean when when Kearney beat UCO, that Kearney was improving. And again, when UCO won this year, I said Kearney is improving. Uh, Kearney is indeed improving now. I, I'm uh, so um, that's four through six with Fort Hayes being four. So right now you lost. To three of, well, I mean, yeah, they've they've lost to all four top teams in the conference, and three of the losses here lately have been against top four teams in the conference. And he lost against one, two, and four. I mean, it's, it's not as if we were just playing some scrub teams here and here and here and lost. So, really, to me, that's why I was really impressed with the showing. Uh, and, and and as to why, to me, that was a performance that UCO could definitely build off of moving moving forward. Uh, then at seventh, you have you have uh, uh, us, and then eight we have Emporia at two and four, nine Wasburn at two and four, ten Missouri Southern at one and five, and then you have eleven and twelve, both winless Lincoln and Northeastern State. Who play each other? I believe it is Lincoln's homecoming. Uh, they play each other this Saturday, so one of those teams is getting a win, and one of those teams is probably going to going to going to go winless. Sands uh, and upsets. I, I don't see. I know Missouri Southern already beat Lincoln. I can't see Missouri Southern not beating Northeastern State. I, I really can't. So. Uh, to me, that's pretty much the Missouri Southern North Northeastern State game from, from a year ago, where whoever lost that game would go winless. Now, if we're looking, UCO sitting two and four, but we have to look at the schedule down the stretch. After Saturday, there is only a team on the schedule that is above eight. Because uh, you have Emporia left, Wasburn left, Missouri Southern, and Northeastern State afterwards. So again, which is why I said if UCO can win, can can win on Saturday, I feel like they have a chance to run the table here. I really do. I I, I when you go last week, I said if they can survive, if they, if they can they can survive last 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 Saturday, have a good showing with some improvements. That then they have a chance to run the table down the stretch. I firmly believe that now. I firmly believe that because based on what I saw again, we had some some players back, 
And with Will Collins back there, I think we all know again what what Will Collins can 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 do. I, I, again, we have a good chance. We have a really good chance. Uh, so it's all going to depend now. Again, if, 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 if we run the table, went out, we're sitting at seven and four. We we at least guarantee ourselves a winning season. Maybe we can sneak into a bowl. Depending on how Kearney and Fort Hayes finish out, uh, but regardless, I mean, it, it, at least that would show. It, it would. It would. It, it, I mean, it'd be, it'd be good, obviously, because you end the season on a five-game winning streak. You still have a winning winning record, but it shows that the team didn't fall when they when when they could afford it. Now, looking on the flip side here, if we lose Saturday, we go to two and five. Still think we could win the last four, finish at six and five. That's not how we wanted the, the, the a season to go, but again, it's still a winning record that is still saying something. This is, this is a very tough conference. Uh, this, this, is a, this is a very tough conference. Reminds the last two teams. I feel like any team could beat any given team that we've seen in the past two weeks with Missouri Southern. Uh, sitting at one and five, but also push 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 into Missouri too. So, uh, so so again, I'm I'm thinking here worst case scenario down the stretch, looking at four one best case five no. But I I think now especially we we can get some guys healthy. I I don't know. Hopefully we can get uh Marvel Hughes back. Hopefully we, we we can get Brian. Byron Burns back, and we can, and hopefully we can get T.J. Roberts back. If we, if we can start getting some of those key guys back here uh, for our most winnable games, I'm liking the odds. I, I really am because again, when I saw, I saw Saturday, uh, you, you have to be encouraged as a Bronco fan. So hopefully, again, they will they will take that, they'll build off of it, and come Saturday at 1 p.m. at Warren Stadium. We can watch them take that next step, get back in the win column here, and we come on here and we say, okay, sitting at three and four, have a chance again. We should be failing in the last four games. Come in there, get the win. We're sitting at seven and four, and then we have to see whatever happens. Happens, but I'd like to see them at least. We can beat Missouri Western. I really think here this would this would have a snowball effect in the positive direction, and then we start winning, and, and then we at least end the season strong. I feel like that has been a staple used here the past couple of seasons here. No matter how they started, they always finished strong, and I, I can't see that ending, especially just 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 looking at the main schedule here. Uh, to me, they're all winnable, including Saturday against four and two Missouri Western again. Three straight wins over teams that have a combined three wins. So, again, to that four and two, I'm not going to consider them four and two because, again, it's not that difficult to be three of the weekly teams in conference. So, we'll see how things shake out Saturday. Uh, I plan to be there again in the press box with, uh, with my man James D. Jackson. Hopefully, this this time we'll have a, a better outcome. Uh, there there will be a Bronco win, and we can come on here and and, and talk about that and 
and talk a more about the improvements that were made in, in the in the run game and the in the in the, the blocking and you know, and the defensive line. So again, we'll, we'll see what happens here. We'll, we'll we'll see if there's any more any more injuries, um, any any more surprise surprise moves. But uh, again, I'm I'm liking the down home stretch here. I really am. I think that, that there is some there is just hope. Uh, and that there are truly some wins on the horizon. So that's going to do it. My name is Jonathan Goodall, aka JG Smooth. I'll talk to you all later. That's all, folks. Bye. Have a great time. Thank you. Come again.